Hi, I'm Brian O'Connell. Welcome to Renegade Brewing Company. Port Leaps tastes good like a beer should. You said it. Lucky strike means fine tobacco. Try a frosty cold glass of Bavarian right away. What's you say? No boulder dash or baloney Cheers, everyone, and welcome to the Unfiltered Gentleman. And now, with a higher BAC than your ABV, Greg, Scott, and Dan. Hey, everybody, Greg here, the Unfiltered Gentleman. We're on a bit of a road trip, this time in the middle of the country. We're in Denver, Colorado. We made a trip up to Renegade Brewing. In fact, this is not our first time at Renegade. We talked about it on the show a couple years back. Uh, but we are here now with uh, the man himself buying Renegade Brewing, Brian O'Connell. Brian, thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for making good beer, I guess is <laughs> how we should start. I was telling people before, we, we accidentally found you guys, thanks to Google, Yeah, and uh, stumbled in, and it was fantastic. We had family with us, like, hey, do you guys mind stopping at a brewery? Like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, these guys are really good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, had to come back and try awesome. and get you on yeah, the show. Yeah, appreciate you coming back. Yeah, thank you. Uh, before we, we got some beers to taste, we got some questions to get to, let's get a little history on you before we get too far in. History on you as a beer drinker. What got you into to craft beer? So, really, my older brother um, got me drinking good beer. Good man. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's an older brother's job. Right. Look out for you, right? Uh, he started in home brewing and, um, no offense, bro, but his homebrew was terrible, but it was, um, <laughs> it definitely introduced me to, Hey, there's other types of beer out right. there. There's all sorts of stuff, right? It's and not then, just Coors. Yeah. And then he was really into trying new beers. And so he would, uh, you know, have different beers around that I would, I would try and it's like, yeah, these are. Right. interesting beers right and then he's um, flavor yeah. yeah i mean in college i drank you know the same shitty beer that everybody right. else yeah, did college. Uh, but there was there was a brew pub in the town where i went to college that was like right on the main uh strip where all the college bars were and i started going in there and drinking some of their beer uh when i had a few extra bucks and and when i was over 21 and right. that was definitely um the first place that i was drinking like fresh you know made right. he here kind of beer right that was a really cool experience and within that same town i lived there for a few years after i graduated and moved kind of downtown and there was there was a little beer bar that was probably i don't know three four blocks from my house makes it easy yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> they had great pizza, and uh, before I knew it, I was in that place, you know, like three, four nights a week, and got to know the bartenders, and got to know the owner, and I would say that was really the kind of when I was hooked, because that was, not only was I drinking really good beer, but I was having a really great social experience with it, and sure. I was meeting a lot of people, and you just really loved the culture that came with the beer mm -hmm. uh, and the and the type of people that were kind of, you know, were drawn to that environment. Right, yeah. And, you know, then from there it was um, off to graduate school and I went to graduate school in Vermont. Oh. Um, so some really, really cool breweries up there, Magic Hat and Otter Creek and Long Trail. And, of course, there's a bunch of new ones that exists there now right. that uh, weren't there 
back in 2003 when I was in grad school, but that goes for anywhere nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you can see, uh, Vermont's really continued that cool craft beer culture. Right. Yeah. So that was great. In, in grad school, I, uh, I drank a lot of blind faith from Magic Hat. After graduate school, I, I went to more graduate school in Florida um, as a glutton for punishment. I just <laughs> kept going to school for some reason. And while I was in Florida, my wife bought me a homebrew kit. Okay. She said, you love drinking craft beer so much, why don't you try making it? It's right. time time to start making it. So was it a real kit or was it like a Mr. Beer It was kit? a Mr. Beer kit. <laughs> and the first beer I made out of it was terrible. Made some apple juice? It, it, was, uh, it was a pale ale, and I put way too much sugar in it. It was just awful, but people drank it. I, I drank it. <laughs> I guess it had alcohol in it. It so. had alcohol right. in it. And, uh, yeah. So from there, I... Uh, you know, just continue to get more and more into home brewing. I moved to Phoenix. I joined the Arizona Society of Home Brewers, and my neighbor uh, at the time when I lived in Phoenix saw me uh, with some growlers from a brew pub, mm-hmm. and he said, "Hey, are you gonna you gonna keep those growlers?" And I said, "Yeah, of course I'm gonna right. keep them." What are you crazy? Yeah, gotta fill those. <laughs> yeah, and he said, "He said, well, I was just asking because I'm a home brewer, and you know, I oh, I would yeah. use them." And so we got talking, and he'd been homebrewing for 20 years and made really, really awesome beer. One of these guys who was, like, turning out commercial quality beer out of his garage, right? So I went over and brewed with him a few times. I learned a lot more about it. And then I really started advancing my setup, reading more books about it. And then I came to Colorado, and I joined um, Foam on the Range, Okay. Which is one of the larger clubs here. And uh, a lot of breweries have started out of that club now. Probably, I don't know, 13 or so oh, wow. have, have been started out of there. But um, that was my last stop as, uh, you know, kind of a, an amateur, if you will. Right. Uh, and then from that point, I I kind of jumped in and, and started Renegade. So there's no other brewery experience before Renegade? There's not. No, I'd never had professional brewing experience. I was a statistician and data analyst oh. prior to getting into this. Super exciting things. Oh, it's it's a wildly exciting field. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, it, it was a field that I enjoyed. It's what I went to grad school for. And there's an aspect of that that I really enjoyed, the analytical yeah. side of it. But it, there's also a creative side that I enjoy that... You don't get much creativity when you're doing research for a living. So. That is probably true. Yeah. So that's where beer kind of was the perfect marriage for me of things that I enjoyed of yeah. really analytical science side of brewing and then the really creative side of it. Yeah, it's a kind of nice mixture of both. Before we talk about the brewery's background, tell us what we got in front of us. This is the flagship for Renegade. Uh, this is called Redacted. It's a rye IPA. This is a beer that I used to brew in my backyard. You probably wouldn't have wanted to taste it when I brewed it back back then. Probably. Uh, it went through some pretty awful iterations, but prior to opening the brewery, I got it pretty dialed in and was and was pretty happy with it. This is one of the beers we launched with. It's the first beer that we ever put in cans. Okay. And it's still the number one seller for the company today. That's pretty good. So yeah, what you're tasting there is uh, it's got about 20% rye malt. So that gives you almost just a little bit of a black pepper hint mm-hmm. uh, that 
works really well with the West Coast hops that we put in it. Yeah, just like a hint of spice almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it, it goes really well with uh, spicy foods and, you know, kind of has that classic uh, West Coast hop profile, little mm-hmm. citrus to it. Nice balanced maltiness with it too. We use melanoidin in it, which gives it kind of a cool color. It's got almost a little bit of an orangey hint yeah. to it and um, really kind of enhances the malt profile of it. So it comes out being a really nice balanced IPA, which I think is why it works really well for us. It's not a very malty IPA. It's not a super hot forward IPA. It's right. kind of right there. In the not middle. one of those teeth kickers. Exactly. Just kind of yeah. right down the middle. Yeah, really yeah. easy to drink. Uh, you definitely get the citrus and a little bit of spicy on there. Yeah. Um, it's nice. It's just really easy to drink. What are the stats on it? ABV and IBUs and whatnot? 7% alcohol. So it's um, of our core lineup it's one of the higher ends yeah. in abv and uh ibus it's uh 60 i believe oh, okay yeah so right so down the middle middle of the road yeah yep. really easy to drink crowd pleasing yep um all right so it's a little bit of beer we'll have a little more as we go on um let's talk about the brewery a little bit the history when did you guys start pouring tasty tasty beers yeah <laughs> june 26 2011 okay been uh, a few years yep so we just passed the seven-year mark this, yeah. this summer. We signed a lease on the brewery late 2010. Took us about six months to get through permitting and construction. Right. And That's actually pretty quick for All that stuff. It's pretty quick. Yeah. Um, the wheels were running a little bit faster back in 2011 than they yeah. are now. Um, <laughs> we opened this facility versus sitting in now is our production facility, which right. we outgrew our original facility and, and moved in here late 2014. And so it's only production, no tasting room here? Yep, exactly. Okay. Uh, but this was about a 12-month process to go through permitting and construction and that sort of thing. So as Denver's grown and become a lot busier, right. permitting and construction times have slowed down pretty significantly. I would imagine like <laughs> as more breweries open, it's probably like, oh, we learned that we messed up with these three breweries. Let's change yeah, the permits yeah. on this. And uh, yeah. I'm sure it can be a super fun process to go through. It is. Uh, it's an education. I'll say that. Yeah. What made you decide to jump from brewing okay beer in your backyard to good beer in a brewery? <laughs> I wanted to, you know, really just be a part of the industry. And I was on a business trip in uh, Washington, D.C., and I Kind of skipped out on a day. I rented a car. I went out to Dogfish Head. Nice. Then shortly after that, I read um, the book Beer School, which is about the founding of the Brooklyn Brewery. And and kind of those two experiences together, I said to my wife, I need to just try this. I need to just see if I can get a brewery open. And I don't have to quit my job. That's true, yeah. I'm going to write a business plan. I'm going to see if I can get funds raised. And if I get funds raised, then we're definitely opening. And if, <laughs> and if we open and it doesn't work, then, then we'll close. <laughs> we'll close, and yeah. I'll go back to being a researcher. Right, at least I know, right? Yeah. And so that was really kind of the the model that I followed was just okay. Here are the steps. You know, this is what they did in beer school. Here's the steps they took. Sure. These are the steps I need to take, and it's just work on this step. And once it's done, then do the next thing. And once yeah. it's done, do the next just thing. Keep going. And really, you know, I mean, starting a business is such an overwhelming process, and starting a business in a very highly regulated industry. Yeah. And one that you'd never worked for before. One that I'd never worked <laughs> for before, and a business that runs seven days a week from seven o'clock in the morning till up until midnight. Right. You know, we have employees on the clock those hours 
is a lot. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really realize everything that I was biting off at the time, which is probably good. You know, I've said that to people many times that some of the ignorance that I went into this with is probably on my side yeah. because I probably would have freaked myself out and been a little too scared to try had right. I, you know, realized everything that I was getting into, but. A little ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I think sometimes that's true, right? I mean, certainly it can bite you in the ass sometimes, but sure. um, you know, just kind of taking it step by step. And uh, before I knew it, the doors were open, and we were making beer and serving beer. And uh, I was there a hundred hours a week, and I didn't really have time to think about anything else other than just go, 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 and make this thing work. Right. What was your wife's reaction when you said, "Hey, I'm going to open a brewery"? You know, my, my wife is super cool. You know, everybody at the brewery, uh, loves Kara. She, she's not super involved anymore. She'll come down and drink beer, but, um, I would hope so. Yeah. But I mean, she had her own career and now we have, uh, twin toddlers and she stays at <laughs> home with them and they keep her plenty busy. But I, yeah, I imagine. But when I told her, um, you know, Hey, I want to try this. She's, she said, yeah, I mean, makes sense. You love it and it doesn't hurt to try. Yeah. So go for it. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. When you guys first opened, and correct my numbers if these are wrong, this is what Google told me, there were eight breweries in Denver, and now there's about 66 breweries in yeah, Denver? Yeah, that sounds about Somewhere right. around yep. there, yeah. <laughs> How is that affect- I think one just opened, actually. Uh, all right, 67. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How have those sort of numbers and that sort of growth around here kind of affected you guys as a brewery and, and sales? Like, has it hurt? Has it helped bring people over? I think it's one of those things that has um, positive and negative effects. Um, certainly, you know, with more competition, it is harder to get, you know, your share of of sales uh, than it was back in 2011 sure. when I opened. I think it also, you know, the positive side of it is that it does force you to think a little bit more critically about your customer service, your customer experience, think a little bit more critically about the beers you're putting out. Sure. And, you know, I think competition can really sharpen an industry. And I think we've, we've definitely seen that. Yeah. I have been impressed with uh, how many breweries have opened with really good beer. You know, if I think back to June 26, 2011 and the three beers I had on the board and the quality of them on that day. Yeah. Probably not up to par to, you know, what some people are opening with now. But back then you had the opportunity to make a couple of mistakes and, right, yeah. and keep going. And you just don't have that opportunity now. You get one shot to come out of the gate with good beer. Well, now with like Yelp and everything being as big as it is, you yeah. come out with three okay beers, people are going to find out about it. And- Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly we've gone through a lot of changes with our beers. We continually monitor our quality and step up our quality every chance we get. Mm-hmm. And um, Renegade is putting out world-class beer now, but... You know, certainly I can look back and think of some times when we made some mistakes and <laughs> with 70 breweries in town, you just can't do that yeah. anymore. So, you know, that's a benefit to the to the beer drinker, really. That's true. Yeah. Do you see Denver kind of taking on that role of San Diego where they have 170 breweries, I think <laughs> it is now? Like, or do you think it's kind of reached its peak or close to peak? You know, I would have said it reached its peak a couple of years ago and, and <laughs> 25 breweries ago. we go, you know, um, there's, uh, a guy that's invested in, in renegade and super smart guy. And mm. he's, uh, he's in his seventies and, 
and he spent his career as an investment guy. Okay. He loves to tell me that back in the eighties, he thought McDonald's was done. They, they can't, <laughs> they can't sell one more hamburger. They can't put up one more hamburger stand. Right. They have saturated the market and they marched well past where they were in the eighties. Yeah, clearly. So, you know, and I mean, look at Starbucks, right? I mean, You'll be in the grocery store. Oh, yeah. And there's a Starbucks at checkout. You walk out and there's a Starbucks across the parking lot. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so insane. when you think about models like that, uh, and then, you know, you think about where breweries are today, I, th- I think there's probably still a lot of room for the local neighborhood brewery. Sure. Uh, and I, you know, I think when you think about Denver, are we going to reach San Diego numbers of 170? I don't know. You know, San Diego is a much different town. Right. It's there's a lot of sprawl to it. People say San Diego when they really mean Escondido. Right, yeah. Or, yeah. Stone's not actually San Diego. Right. Yeah. You, you know, there's there's a lot of surface area there right. that I'm not sure that Denver has. You know, when you talk about per capita, certainly I think Denver can hit the per capita number that any city can sure. hit. But do we know what that upper end of per capita is? I'm not sure we do yet. The more breweries focus on being small and niche and and neighborhood driven, yeah, uh, the higher that number can go. Yeah, it seems know? to be kind of the focus nowadays. Less about oh, we need to distribute and ship. It's more like let's feed the neighborhood and, and kind right. of start there and see what happens. Yeah, when we opened, there was there was uh, about two thousand breweries in the United States, and now we're Closing in on 7,000. So it's nuts. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. There are projections within the industry that will hit 10,000 in a couple of years. I totally believe it. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows where that upper end is? Yeah. All right. Should we uh, try our next one? Yeah, sure. Next, we have Endpoint. That is our triple IPA. It's 11% alcohol. It is roughly 100 IBUs. It is uh, dangerously easy drinking for, <laughs> for those numbers. When you hear 11% alcohol right. and 100 IBUs, you think, oh, man. It's got a really nice citrus quality. There's a lot of grapefruit to it. We finished it off with a hop called Huel Melon, so there's some oh, yeah. melon characteristic to it. It kind of just keeps drawing you back for another drink, that kind of grapefruity, melony quality to it. And it's got a just a fantastic aroma off of it. Yeah, it, it smells very citrusy. You definitely get like the citrus and the grapefruit. And it's it's dangerous because a lot of times you have a triple IPA and it's like, all right, I I had it. But this one you're like, Oh, I could I could have some more of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one wants me to come back for more. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's a, a great little beer if you throw your back out lifting kegs in the brewery, too. Really, <laughs> really uh, loosens up the muscles. Yeah, a little therapy session. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Um, what is your day-to-day role here at the brewery? Are, are you still doing a lot of brewing, or is it more? I try not to get in people's way, mostly. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't mess up a good thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, my role has uh, shifted a lot over the years. If you had uh, walked into the brewery um, six years ago, I I would be doing everything. Sure. Brewing beer, serving beer, cleaning the toilets, <laughs> paying the bills, you know, changing light bulbs, whatever it took. Sweeping up. Yeah. That role has evolved as the company has grown and as we've hired more people. I still have a hand in everything we do. Sure. We have managers who kind of oversee all the different departments uh brewing tap room sales marketing accounting 
I work with each of them to kind of, you know, move their work forward and get them focused on things that are helpful to the company. And, mm -hmm. and then, you know, of course, my own kind of self-directed stuff is looking at the future of Renegade and trying to guide us through challenges and opportunities and and that sort of thing. I don't brew beer anymore, if mm. that's what you're asking. Haven't brewed in a while, but we have a great team of people yeah. that that handle that now. Are you still involved in like the recipe development or Yeah, absolutely. I was still, you know, sit with the uh, director of brewing operations and talk about things creatively. I would say that you know, our director of brewing operations has been here uh, about a little over four years now, oh, okay. so I have a lot of trust in him. Yeah. So where it used to be, Jack put together a recipe and I'll review it and revise it. Now mm -hmm. we talk about things more on a conceptual level of like, hey, I want to hit these flavor profiles and these targets and go for it. Yeah. You know, I don't feel the need to... Uh, kind of micromanages right. his work like that anymore. It must be nice for you to be able to just kind of sit back and drink the beer instead of make it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I will say I do miss brewing. Sure. Um, that's that's the, what got me into this. Right. I, I love doing it. Um, but, you know, I mean, the company grows and it needs me to do other things. And I will say that, you know, kind of the most boots-on-the-ground uh, job that I've retained is... Uh, head maintenance man i i <laughs> literally touched and fixed uh almost every piece of equipment in this place and at our other brewery nice. so it's just one of those things that over the course of 7 years it's like hey Brian this thing's making a funny noise i'm like oh yeah it's this, turn this knob yeah or... this is loose or you know oh that needs a seal or um there's just some things that I've just been here right. the longest yeah. and interacted with a lot of things. So and, now you're head of maintenance operations. Yeah, you know. <laughs> what would you consider your biggest success here at the brewery? It doesn't necessarily need to be a specific beer or any, or it could be a specific beer. Well, that's a tough question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. <laughs> um, you know, when I started the brewery, I started it for my love of beer, but I also started it to have that, you know, that social impact that I talked about mm -hmm. um, to create a space where people wanted to come and and could sit with their friends. And you don't have to be a, a super beer geek or, you know, sit in the tab room and talk about the aromas and flavors and all that thing. Sit there and enjoy a beer and yeah. talk about whatever and, you know, and share a few laughs and you know, to create that and, and also to create a space where people can come to work and have a rewarding job and enjoy what they're doing and see that impact that they're making for other people. And that's really the success for me. I love going down to the tap room. I, I still go there once or twice every week. Nice. And, you know, I just love seeing people sitting in the tap room with their friends and their family and, and having a good time and knowing that I, created that space for them and right. that I had a hand in the beers that they're drinking while they're doing that. And, um, you know, just over the years, you hear stories of people who, you know, celebrated some occasion or they had their first date there and then they ended up getting married and, right. you know, it, and it becomes, you know, a, a place that's important to people and important to people in the community. And yeah, it's, it's their hangout spot. It's their beer place. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's a cool thing. Yeah. What beer, what specific beer would you say you're most proud of? Um, that's like asking me to choose my favorite kid. I know. <laughs> that's next. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I'm, I'm proud of all of them for different reasons. I love that Redacted was a beer that I brewed in my backyard that's still the number one seller for the company. Right. Right. I mean, that, that's really cool that my homebrew history has carried all the way through the company. Yeah. And it's still the most popular. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but all the, the beers we make are cool for different reasons and they fill different occasions mm-hmm. and, it's my company. If I didn't like it, it wouldn't be out there. <laughs> That's true. So, yeah. you know, so I love all of them. What would you say is different about Renegade? Like, do you guys have a specialty or a certain focus? Uh, when it comes to beer, I think, you know, when it, you think of Renegade, it's about taking a classic style and putting a unique little twist on it. Mm-hmm. Not, not taking the beer to the crazier or the absurd, but just um, taking it a little bit outside of, out of its traditional style. Sure. Which is challenging at times, you yeah. know, when you're trying to put beers on a menu or that sort of thing. And, yeah. and you're like, well, it's kind of like this, but not really, <laughs> you know. But it's also the fun of it, you know, to right. challenge ourselves to, to find a unique place to be with the beer. And, you know, I think just as a company, we have a tap for tap program where we give back for every gallon of beer. We, we give back a gallon of water, oh, nice. um, clean drinking water. We're a really socially conscious company. I think we're very community focused and we're, we're just a group of cool people. <laughs> Fun to drink beer with. That's right. <laughs> Why the name? Why Renegade? It, it was a description of the beer. Um, like I said, you yeah. know, kind of being Renegade with it. It was also, um, description of how I felt at the time. I, I worked for the University of Colorado and I left a really good job and. Cleared out the bank account and, and started this company and just, you know, kind of a renegade thing to do. And <laughs> so it worked out well. Yeah. yeah. So far <laughs> we're still here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Should we, uh, try the next one? Sure. Yes. We're going to steer away from the hoppy this okay. time. This is one of our maltier beers. It's called Pancakes. Okay. <laughs> and it is a maple porter. It is pretty forward on the maple, which is why we call it pancakes. Oh, yeah, it smells like syrup. Yeah, we use um, a maple syrup extract for it. The the maple quality that they pull through, it's a very expensive ingredient that we use in this, um, but it's totally worth it. It it just brings through a super nice maple quality that goes really nice with the kind of roasty malts. For me, it's... Um, when I go camping, I have to have pancakes. <laughs> okay. And for me, it's that kind of like breakfast outdoors kind of thing. It's got that great maple-y quality um, with a nice roast to it also. Yeah. It, it. I mean, I can see why it's named pancakes. So you're clearly not afraid of uh, throwing adjuncts into the beer and, and other things like that. Like what's your take on people throwing non-beer-related ingredients in? Yeah. I mean... Um, I think as long as it's there to enhance the flavor of the beer, then it's a great idea. If it's not there for any flavor enhancement, mm-hmm. then I think it's fucking stupid. Right. We, uh, you know, we're very close in California to Ballast Point. Yeah. Speaking of adjuncts and fucking stupid. Yeah. So we, we get a lot of, uh, Jolly Rancher flavored beer out of that. And like, that's horrendous. Yeah. But like this, and it's not over syrupy. It's got a little maple to it and yep. it's, and it's delicious. Yeah. It's all about balance, I think. It's all about balance. Yeah. And not being gimmicky. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, we've got a, another version of this. Yeah, we were just handed another one. Yeah. And it and smells this, this phenomenal. Is awesome. Cause we took this beer, 
We added coffee to it. We put it in some Woodford Reserve bourbon barrels. It smells like it. And aged it for about nine months, and it's pretty incredible. Yeah, that is. Ooh, that is warm. That is good. The bourbon is noticeable. Yes. <laughs> and I love bourbon, so yeah. that is that is the best. So this is the same beer, just coffee and, and barrel-aged. You got it. Yep. Nice. And so uh, higher ABV, same ABV? Uh, it takes the ABV up uh, about two, two and a half points. Okay. Yep. Not too bad. What are some of... I just turned into a teenager. What are some of the big challenges? It's that bourbon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Put hair on your chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the big challenges of running a brewery, especially now that you're more than just a tap room, you're yeah. a whole production facility? There are lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what time is it? Yeah, I would say the kind of the biggest challenge, and and to me, I mean, it probably depends on who you are and what you find most frustrating. To me, it's the it's the manufacturing side of things okay. and the things that are completely out of your control when it comes to manufacturing, you know, you're on a deadline and you get a power surge and your chiller blows or <laughs> yeah. you're having issues with your canning line or your boiler goes down or what. And it seems like that stuff comes in waves kind of when it rains, it pours, right. you know, it, it, it can get you down. It really yeah, can, <laughs> it can get real frustrating our director of sales runs this uh, nonprofit and they do an annual event and it's actually this week. And I was talking to my wife about it and I said, oh yeah, we, we have the event this week. We were trying to remember last year we showed up really late for some reason. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember the, what happened last year. We had a, a sinkhole forming underneath our our uh, hot liquor tank, oh, which geez. is a, it's a 90 barrel hot water tank. <laughs> So it's not small. No, it wasn't small. <laughs> and, the, and and we had a pipe burst underneath it. And the earth was literally eroding underneath it. And oh, these guys came in, they found it. And they said, this whole thing is about to collapse into the ground. You're, you're going to lose it. And so we had to do this emergency thing where we moved the tank out. They tore up the floor. They went in, they re- replaced the pipe. They put a bunch of dirt back in its place, put the floor back, you know, and that was just out of nowhere, right? Yeah. It, 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 that's just something that was sprung upon me. <laughs> and, it, and it cost 10 grand to get that fixed. Oh, I'm you, sure, yeah. You know? So it's things like that where you can't plan for it. The unsexy side of things. Yep. Yeah. It was nothing you did. You didn't right. do anything wrong. It's just, it just kind of happens. Yeah. You know? And that, that can be frustrating. Yeah. It's not just like somebody spilt a keg. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how much beer are you guys putting out now versus when you first opened in 2011? When we opened in 2011, that first year, we did um, between 250 and 300 barrels, I think. Okay. Last year, we did about 5,000. Oh, it's a slight increase. So, yeah. yeah. little little you, jump. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have like a you know perfect number that you'd like to be putting out or... I've always had a sight set on hitting regional status, which is 15,000 barrels. Okay. Um, you know, I think at that point, you start to really solidify your spot in the marketplace yeah. uh, quite a bit more. I would like to get there. I've never had my sight set on being the next New Belgium or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. You guys are distributing out of state now, right? We do, yeah. So how many states are you in? Outside of Colorado, we're in four. Okay. Yeah. Has that been uh, a challenge to keep up with or is it? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it can be at times. Um, it's, I would say the 
most challenging thing is to try to manage your brand and, you know, make sure that you are competing in the marketplace when you're mm-hmm. not present there. So we don't have sales reps in those areas. Right. We, we send people out on occasion. So it's really, you know, about working with your distributor and that sort of thing to kind of manage it. But yeah, yeah it certainly can be challenging. I would imagine. Um, all right. What do we have up next? The lineup. So this is, um, a newer addition to our year-round lineup. We just added it this year. It's called Free to Roam. Free to Roam. It is an American pale ale, so it's going to be pretty hop-forward okay. for pale ale. We do lots of late edition hops on it, nice. so it's more about the aroma and the flavor than it is the bitterness. Right. So we, we kind of keep to you know a little bit more breadiness or maltiness that you'd want to see from a pale ale while bringing forward some really nice hop characteristics. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's nice. That's a light. Yeah. Get some citrus in there. Super easy drinking. Yes. Yeah. Pale ales are my jam right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is my go-to right now when I go to the tap room. Yeah. Um, you know, unless there's something uh, kind of new that takes my attention away, but that's that's what I'd probably drink the most of. Yeah, and it's nice that people are focusing on them now. For so long, it's been IPAs, IPAs, IPAs. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, hey, pale ales are awesome pale too, ales, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget that they're still here. We can dial it back a little bit. Right. And, yeah. Especially, you know, out in LA where it's 900 degrees every day. Right. Yeah. I don't always want a triple IPA. Yeah. <laughs> I want a pale ale so I can cool down and yeah, yeah. sop up the sweat a little bit. Yeah. This is nice. What's the uh, percentage on this one? Uh, that one's 5%. Nice, easy to drink. Easy. Yeah. All day long. Yep. Good, good football beer. Just drink it all day, Sunday. Yep. yep. All right. So we talked about. Your old day job a little bit. Yeah. Had the brewery not worked out. Yeah. Would you go back to that or would, would you have gone to something else? Boy, that's a good question. What if? I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess it depends on when uh, the brewery would have gone under. Had it had we gone a year and, and it was gone, then probably yeah, I would have just gone back right. to that. Now it might be a little hard. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Primarily what I did was uh, write code for a analysis software. It's called SAS. Okay. And so I would be given a basically a question, right? They would say, hey, we're, we're curious about XYZ. Can you figure it out for us? Sure. And so I had access to tons and tons of databases uh, when I worked at the university. And basically I would write code that would then run different statistical models on this question and then I'd write out a report and I'd say, okay, well, here's what the models show, right? Okay. And here's the most likely outcome. Honestly, I don't think I could write one line of that code <laughs> yeah. anymore. I think I've blown away all those memories with yeah. seven years of beer. So I don't know that they'd have me back. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'd go shovel out a mash ton for somebody there else. You go. Or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know how it's like in, in high school, I could program websites. Yeah. I couldn't write a line of code for that anymore. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I tried to do WordPress the other day. It blew my mind. <laughs> and when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, man, that's, uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure I knew. I, uh, I don't know. My, my mom and dad might have a different answer. but <laughs> They're always wrong. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> when I was in uh, high school, I got really interested in psychology. My high school had an AP psychology course, so I took that. And then, and I honestly thought I wanted to be a clinical psychologist. Okay. And so when I went to college, I, I got a bachelor's degree in psychology. Oh. For a couple of years after college, I worked, well, through college, I worked in mental health. I worked in um, psychiatric facilities that were locked door facilities. Sure. And I did that through kids that were 
five, six years old, all the way up through adulthood. Okay. I have some very interesting stories I, uh, yeah. that that I could tell you out of those days. And then I I worked as um, kind of pretty much like a caseworker. So mm. I went around to kids' homes, and they were kids that had been uh, physically and sexually abused. Okay. And I did that for a couple of years. You know, it was a good experience prior to going to grad school because I figured out that while I find that field really interesting and and there are parts of it I enjoyed, it wasn't a field that I could see myself going into long term. Sure. It get depressing after a while, I'd imagine. Yeah, especially with that age group. Right. Young kids who had really been through, you know, kind of the worst of it. Yeah. Definitely was tough. And so I went to graduate school in, I still really enjoyed psychology. So I went to graduate school in forensic psychology. Oh, cool. Which uh, was really interesting. It's kind of the intersection of the law and psychology. And my program was very, very heavily researched focused. So um, did tons of stats and research methods. And then from there, I went to the University of Florida to study criminology. Oh, wow. Left there and, and then went to work as a researcher. So now when you watch like drama cop shows, do you yell at the TV? That's wrong. <laughs> that is so wrong. Yeah. You know, honestly, I, I, I don't even watch those kind of shows because <laughs> I think everybody knows they're ridiculous. Right. right. You, you don't have to have a, a degree to know that. Right, right. <laughs> um, how would you say, bring it back around to the beer, how would you say that Denver and Colorado in general are different from a beer scene standpoint than places like San Diego or Asheville? That's a good question. I, I think I do think there's a lot of similarities between them, but I think Denver is kind of one of the original spots. You mm-hmm. know, we we have and, and not necessarily Denver alone, but Colorado. We have some of the titans of craft beer industry right. here who have been around for more than two decades, which is a pretty long time in this yeah. business. It's a pretty young industry. And so I think there's a lot of history here, which is kind of cool. I think that definitely has some influence on the industry here. In particular, we have a really tight-knit culture here. We have a Colorado Brewers Guild. We only have one guild in this state, which oh, okay. uh, lots of states have many, many, many guilds. Yeah, so, usually by city. Yeah, yeah. yep. So it's kind of neat that you have people who have been in this business for decades and have, you know, are producing hundreds of thousands of barrels of beer per year, all the way down to somebody who's been in this business for six months and, (laughs) you know, has made a hundred barrels of beer. Yeah. Um, which is kind of neat. I think it allows for a lot of transfer of knowledge and, um, it allows for that history to kind of be passed through the industry pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that's kind of a cool, unique thing about Colorado. Yeah, it sounds like no one's uh, too snobby. No, it's a, it's a pretty cool culture here. And, and although it's grown a lot, I still think it's, it's pretty tight-knit. And most people know each other. Yeah, that's very cool. Let's move on to the next one. Oh, oh this is the top secret one. We're just going to drink it and not tell everybody about it. This beer we haven't released yet. This has been a long project for us to kind of figure out the right ratios of things and flavor profiles and that sort of thing. So what we have here is um, the base of the beer is kind of a pretty neutral single malt, pretty low hop profile. We used Nelson hops in it, which Mm. have a white wine Mm -hmm. characteristic to it. We added uh, enzyme to make it gluten-reduced. Okay. Can't say gluten-free. Right, legally, Uh, yeah. The FDA doesn't allow for that. Was that to be under like 10 parts per million or some crap like that? (laughs) But it's gluten-reduced. 
And then we added some uh, Chardonnay juice mm. uh, to it and fermented that with it. So it's got a very, very tart yeah. wine-like quality to it. And it's not super carbonated, so it's very much like drinking wine. Yeah, yep. You definitely get the grapes in there. Very grapey. Very grapey. It's got that kind of wine esteriness mm-hmm. to it. So yeah, it's kind of a it's been a fun project for us playing around with that. Um that's been in process for several months now. And oh really? We've got it to a point now where we're pretty happy with it and it'll yeah. it'll go out to our tap room and this, is this like in a, September. Oh cool. Is this a session? Is this lower? It's it drinks um, like it's lower. We just had it tested for ABV, and I think it came in at like seven and a half or eight percent. Oh wow, around there could have fooled me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what was kind of the process of getting this right? Were different like grape juice uh, ratios or? Yeah, exactly. Um, getting you know getting the juice to beer ratio correct and playing around with different carbonation levels yeah. and yeah, just you know, kind of dialing in those flavors and aging it. It, it, you know, at first it was, the flavors weren't marrying very well together. And so, um, we had it just kind of sitting for a while and seeing where it went. And (laughs) And one day it worked. (laughs) And one day it worked. Some, you know, sometimes you never know if, is this beer going to the taps or is it going down the drain? Right. It's one of those things. Time will tell you, just let it sit (laughs) and see, see what happens. Yeah. So, how long have you been working on this now? Uh, several months. This is August, and we probably started this project back in uh, April. Okay, so yeah, it took a little R&D. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. We are just around the corner from GABF, Great American Beer Festival. Yeah, uh, yeah. You guys going to be sending some beers in? Yeah, or? we, we uh, send beers in. We don't uh, put a booth on the floor because our brewery is five blocks from the convention center, right. so... <laughs> Maybe just hand out some business cards. Yeah, you know? so we we'd rather people come down and you know be able to sit in a little bit calmer atmosphere and and uh, enjoy some beers with us. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll have beers in the competition. And have you uh, have you won any GABF? We have. Medals? Yeah, we we won one with our uh, Imperial Stout. Oh, nice. uh, A few years back. Yeah. Very nice. What do you think about the uh, addition of the hazy category? Yeah, I think it's cool. Um, we're trying our hand at it this year. We're, we're going to throw a beer in there and see what happens. Uh, it's kind of interesting because it's new, so there's no yeah. no real target to shoot for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what the judges prefer, and right. you know, which will kind of help define that category going forward. Obviously, that that category has taken a foothold in the marketplace, um, so I think it's here to stay. Um, and it'll be interesting to see it go into competition and see how that changes the style yeah. over time as we get some commercial examples defined of, okay, these are the exemplary of the right. category. So yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. And it, it'll probably be really nice to finally get some real kind of guidelines established because yeah. some of the, you know, we do some beer trades on the East Coast and for the most part, they're great. But yep. sometimes you get them and it's like, oh, these hops have gone real bad. Yeah. Like, my beer is almost gray. Yeah. Like, what the hell is going on? This is not how it's supposed to be. Yeah, there's, it's a, you know, it's a category that there's a lot of uh, variance in right now. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be, be interesting to watch it play out. Yeah, it'll be fun. What's your favorite brewery other than your own? You know, obviously, I like a lot of different breweries. If you're talking, you know, some of the, the bigger historical breweries here in Colorado, I... Have always been a big fan of Great Divide. I used to live pretty close to their brewery and spent a lot of time there. I just think their beers are really cool. They make an awesome barley wine. I'm a mm-hmm. really big barley wine fan. You know, some of the 
smaller ones around town. Um, I really like Spangalang. Pretty cool little brewery up in uh, the Five Points neighborhood. Okay. I mean, there's 350 breweries in this state. (laughs) So, you know, I could probably sit for a while and name some. But I really, I, I like trying different beer styles from all sorts of different breweries and seeing, you know, kind of where the, um, where the industry is going. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to see the new guys come up and what kind of new stuff are they playing with and what, you know, for the guys that have been around a while, what are some, uh, I think someone just died. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes we have loud noises in the brewery. You know, what are some of the styles that, uh, are resonating with uh, people for, you know, 20 plus years and seeing, you know, how they, they kind of mastered some of that stuff and it's, and it's still going strong. Who's making the new brute IPAs? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're trying our hand at that. Uh, We just put a brute IPA in the tank on Friday. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah. That's uh, the new cool thing. It's the new cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We got some rapid fire questions. We'll go through real quick. So first answer that comes to your mind, don't think about it too long. First beer you ever we'll, drink. We'll see how I do. Here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clock's running. Yeah. Uh, first beer you ever drink. Oh, geez. Uh, probably a Genesee Cream Ale when I was a kid. Okay. First beer you ever brewed. Uh, it was a pale ale and a Mr. Beer Kit. Yeah. Yeah. Apple juice. Yeah. Uh, first beer that you brewed and then sold. Uh, redacted. Rye IPA. Cans or bottles? Cans, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you can take them wherever you want. Yeah. So good. Uh, what is your favorite beer food pairing? I tend to go for the sweet stuff. So I, I like the, um, you know, kind of like the stout and dessert pairings yeah. um, are usually my favorite when I go to a beer dinner. But I always enjoy like being surprised too. You yeah. know, the ones that you don't see coming. Um, right. That I could have never figured out. <laughs> yeah. You know, those are fun. It's Tuesday night. What are you drinking? I don't know. Uh, my beer or somebody else's beer? Anything. Anything? Might, I be, might be wine. Might be whiskey. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it depends on how that Tuesday went. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely could be whiskey. Uh, if I'm, I will say if I'm not drinking beer, I am probably drinking a gin and tonic. Okay. And if I'm not drinking a gin and tonic, I'm probably uh, having a bourbon. Nice. Yeah. What is your beercation destination? Hmm. I do love San Diego. Mm-hmm. Been there a couple times. Uh, love the town. Tons of really cool breweries there. Uh, that's probably my number one. I like that. Yeah. Uh, favorite non-beer hobby? Favorite non-beer hobby? I play the drums. Oh, nice. Uh, it's, it's probably one of my favorite things to do. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And do you have a favorite word or slang word or whatever for being drunk? <laughs> um. Probably shit housed. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right. Before we finish things up, there's a couple of events coming up. Obviously, you guys will be uh, doing lots of fun stuff for GABF, but you also have the Beers and Band Books. Yeah, Beers and Band Books. What is that all about? Basically, what we do is we take a book off the band book list. Um, we're renegades, so uh, <laughs> you know we, we think people should be reading... Uh, these books that are uh, kind of outlaw books. We like to put a physical book in somebody's hands. Whoa. Um, you mean which, paper? Yeah. I mean, we probably uh, blow some people's minds right. uh, with that. But It's so retro. It's, it's retro, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, beer is a very, um, you know, it's a hands, especially craft beer. It's a hands-on craft process. So is a book. And it's true. 
So, you know, we really like to make that connection, put the actual book in your hand. Um, you get to take the book home with you. Oh, nice. And then we do uh, a fun beer out of a squirrel, which is a neat little thing that came out on the market recently. It's a stainless steel cage kind of thing. It's And okay. it's a square. Um, and then you can put different types of wood staves in it. And so essentially it creates a barrel aging atmosphere. Okay. So we'll uh, put something in there and, and do it kind of themed with the books. This month, we have uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and we're doing a fried chicken beer to go with it. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. And uh, yeah. they can find out more about that on the website, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, or on uh, social media. All the events are posted. And- yeah. Facebook is uh, really the place right now that houses our events. Okay. Uh, yeah, Facebook is a good spot to go. Perfect. So uh, if anybody's in the Denver area, the tap room is 925 West 9th Avenue in Denver. Uh, RenegadeBrewing.com, social media at Renegade Brewing, except for Facebook, Renegade Gade Brewing. Is that right? Yeah, you know, so <laughs> Facebook has a problem with the word renegade, apparently. Is that they, like a bad word? They wouldn't, they w- would not allow me to register the word renegade. That's so hilarious. I tried. Every which way, of course, Facebook has no support that you can right, you know, talk to a person. Emailing robots. So I got pissed and I was like, Rena effing Gade <laughs> and registered that. And that, that's what it is till, <laughs> to this day. The, see, that's a glimpse inside the mind of my, right. of the kind of decisions I make when I get frustrated. Right. That was, that was 2011, Brian. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, it hasn't changed much. <laughs> So, uh, and if you guys can't remember that, just search for Renegade on Facebook. It'll pop up. I've done it. Uh, not too hard to find. Did I forget anything? Yeah, yeah. So our Tap for Tap program um, is a really cool program where um, we donate a gallon of uh, fresh drinking water to a person in need uh, for every gallon of beer we sell. So when you drink Renegade beer, it doesn't matter if you buy a can, if you buy a beer out at a restaurant or a bar, if you come to our tap room, anywhere you get it, we are tracking that and we're donating against it. So so if you need a reason to drink. Absolutely. Yeah, get some Renegade. You are drinking for a good cause. That's right. Yeah, drinking for charity. So uh, buy <laughs> it's more. It's your moral duty to yeah. drink Renegade beer. <laughs> if only it were tax deductible, yeah. <laughs> then we'd be set. Uh, perfect. Brian, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Thanks again to Brian, as well as to Nicole, his director of marketing, for helping to set up this interview. Uh, They got some really, really good beer on tap at Renegade. You don't want to miss out if you're ever in Denver or the Denver area. And hey, fingers crossed that they bring back that hiatus coffee ale that uh, was the first thing to lure me in there. Make sure you check out RenegadeBrewing.com or Facebook, Rena F. and Gade Brewing, to stay up to date on their events and everything they're doing, including beer releases. You can also follow them on the other social medias, Instagram and Twitter, at Renegade Brewing. Make sure you follow them. You can find us at TheUnfilteredGentleman.com, as well as at TheUnfilteredGentleman, except for Twitter, at UnfilteredGents. Leave us a voicemail, 805-538-BEER. It's 2337. And make sure you keep spreading the word about the show. In the meantime, hope you're all staying hydrated. And on that note, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.